Welcome into College Month. Yes. On Smoke Signals, joined by the ramen to my noodle, Heather Allison. How are we doing? <laughs> doing well. How are you, Mr. Oliver? I Johnny O, not Mr. Oliver. I like that you. I'm the ramen to your noodle because that is a college. That is a staple when I was in college. I I lived on <laughs> banquet frozen macaroni and cheese dinners they were 99 cents oh. and i had those things like stocked in the freezer okay see i can do one better because i actually ate a lot of ramen which was like a quarter like for one i don't know dehydrated packet is what they're I, I, i'm ashamed to admit this i turned 35 two oh. weeks ago i have never had ramen noodles in my life first of all happy belated birthday thank let's you. give everybody a nice shout yeah, out thank to you Mr. Johnny o. but second of all how in the world have you never had ramen i don't know i don't I don't know. My Max, who's away at college right now, it's, it was one of his favorite meals, but he likes to dress it up. And we actually went to Springfield, Ohio over the summer to a special ramen place. It was like voted best ramen in Ohio. And it was so fantastic. Yeah, that's cool. You need to try ramen. It's good. I, I'll try it one of these days. All right. Uh, so last episode, we asked the listeners to submit questions they had about the entire college process and we have a list of 10 questions. We do, we do. That you guys submitted. And we, we, we kind of want to just go through those and make sure that just you know what to expect from the process. And hopefully you leave here just a little bit more educated on right. how the process goes. We said PBIS, the this month's PBIS topic is college. So we thought this would be a great way to address the PBIS standard as well as our podcast. But you also need to know that you could do an hour-long episode on college admission, ACT, FAFSA, all these scholarships, all these things separately. So instead of just randomly talking about anything, we decided to specifically just address the questions that were sent to us. So for those that sent questions, thank you. Hopefully you'll hear your question here, and uh, we'll go ahead and get started. All right, uh, our first question is, uh, you know, I've got a sophomore or a junior where do I start in this whole college process? Yes. I, first of all, I like that you said a sophomore or junior because if you're asking that as a senior, it's a rough sell at this point. Start when you're a freshman, sophomore, or junior, not when you're a senior. But I often hear, where do I even start? Um, and I'm not sure there's a, a perfect answer or a perfect magic formula for choosing a college. I think just getting started and just starting talking about it is better than doing nothing. I kind of liken it to buying a new car. Like, how do you know what kind of car you want to buy? Like, there might be things that you need uh, within a certain price. And, and, and the, the, the same is true about college. Like, you're going to start looking um, for things that you particularly want, but you're not going to make a bad choice when you buy a new car, right? So the same is true with college. People often will, will reach out to me and say, I know it's early. My freshman or, you know, my, my kid is a sophomore. And I'm like, no, it's not too early. That's the time that you start the search. Um, I also, I also find out that people want to be told where to go. People want to be told what to do. And the reality is the work at discovery is so much work. And I'm going to repeat that. You get to go to whatever college you want and the work at Discovery is so much work. So you don't want someone to tell you where to go. Um, because this question is so big, I'm going to break it into three categories. Um, I think there's a college search process. I think there's a deciding on a school process. And I think there's a what are colleges looking for in the admissions process. So I'm going to try to tackle those three with just this one question. 
Um, so bear with me. Number one, when you're starting the college search, one, start early. We already said that. But two, I think it's t- I think you open up a discussion. You have to talk to your family about your interest and goals. You have to ask them about their experience with college, if they have any, and find out what kind of support they're going to give you. Uh, if there are money concerns, it's better to know now than when you're knee-deep in the college search process. Um, I think you start with making a wish list. What do you want in a college? Just like buying a car, I said. Are you looking for heated seats, leather interior, or uh, like maybe a moonroof? Every college offers something different. Some examples could be, do you want a two-year school? Are you looking for a four-year school? Do you even know the difference between that? And if not, you need to research. Does location matter? Um, are you wanting to stay close or far away? Are you looking for an urban atmosphere or more of a rural, rural atmosphere? Um, do you want something that you're comfortable with? Like Carlisle is so intimate. We go to school together uh, and, it's, and you know the same people from the time you're kindergarten on up. Are you looking for something like that or something vastly different than that? Um, how often do you want to come home? Is the size of a school going to be important for you? Do you want to stay on campus? Do you want most of the other people to stay on campus? Is sports a big deal? Do you follow a particular sports team? And cost. I mean, just like buying a car, very rarely do you buy a brand new car. Very rarely do you buy the sticker price of the car. You have some room for negotiations when you're buying a car. And even though when you're looking at college, you're not really negotiating, there's something called FAFSA. So that could be your negotiation tool. Uh, Will you qualify for financial aid? Because most people don't pay a sticker price for college, you need to ask, what is the average cost that students pay at particular schools? You can find that on their website. Um, majors are finding out what your favorite subjects are. That, that's a, 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 what your favorite subjects are. I'm sorry. That's something to consider, but the reality is I don't like to look at that for deciding for schools. But make this list and include everything from possible majors to locations. Even if it doesn't seem important, just write it down. And that exercise will help you get a better idea of what you're looking for. Next thing I would tell you to do is get advice, source other people, literally talk to anybody that you know that's been to college, ask them about their college experience, friends, teachers, relatives, how did they find their college, what was it like for them. We live in a digital age with information at your fingertips, so use that, research, research, research. And lastly, I'll tell you in the college search process, go to college fairs, read emails because they're sending them to you nonstop, and visit. I can't stress that enough. That's what I would say for the college search process. Um, did, do you feel like, John, Johnny O, I covered the college search? Yeah, I thought the most important thing you said there <clears throat> out of all of that is to know your financial situation. Which we're going to get a little more into when picking a yeah, school, but yes. Before you start that, I am still paying on student loans 10 years later. Yes. Because I didn't have a great grasp of that process. The, yes. Yeah, like I said, visit. Visit, visit, visit. It'll when you visit, you're going to know. Yes. This place, I love it here. You do. This know. is not right for me. Right, like, right. And I also understand that visiting is sometimes financially like maybe you can't go to Moorhead in Kentucky to visit right now. Sometimes finances makes a difference, and sometimes your support makes a difference. If visiting is an option, you should do it as many times as you can with as many schools as you can. But if not, you can start visiting just by their websites. Um, You find out so much information from that. Okay, I'm going to, the second, I'm going to break that first question again. Now, after we talked about the college search, I'm going to talk about how do you pick a school? Let's say you've gotten to the point where you've narrowed down and you're still at a a wide variety, but you've narrowed down and, and you're looking at 10 different options at this point. How do you pick the right one? 
And there's lots of ways to do this, but really just know, just like buying that car, you're not going to make a mistake. And what you want in a car is going to be different than what I want in a car. So there's no wrong answer. But I think the first thing you need to do is you focus on fit. Keep in mind, this is going to be your home for the next four years. It's about more than education. It's about more than sitting in class. This is your home for the next four, four years. So do you feel like it's home when you're there? Um, we've already talked about visit, but even visit beyond a college tour, sit in the middle of a quad with Taco Bell and watch people while they're going to class. Is that feel like a place that you feel like you could thrive? Um, extracurriculars are going to vary in different places. What extracurriculars are important to you? If you really like the idea of sailing, you're probably not going to go to a place in Kansas. If you like the idea of mountaineering, you're probably not going to go to a place in New York. Um, so what type of experience are you looking for? Um, do you want a large football program? That sounds really silly, but if that's a motivating factor, faction for you, factor, I'm sorry, then you need to look at schools with a large football program. Are you looking for large Greek life? Those are all things that I think you need to put into that visit beyond a college tour. Um, the next thing I would say is consider the consequences of death. Debt. <laughs> yeah, death. <laughs> it could be death. <laughs> Consider the consequences of debt. Johnny O already mentioned this. Here's the thing. Taking out loans for college is not what's scary. What's scary is the amount that you take out. And making sure a good rule of thumb is what you should try to keep your debt to is what your first salary will be. The first year salary. Now, you may not know what your job is going to be, but you know what you're studying. So if you're looking at education and you know the first year teacher makes $34,000, you probably want to keep your debt to less than $34,000. Please. Please. Consider do that. the I, consequences I, of debt. I did not do that. You did not keep it under the rule of thumb? I, no, I went to a large private university. I went, went to Dayton. At that time, it was $44,000 a year. My first job at Preble Shawnee, I'm making thirty thousand. Yeah. I'm so broke yes. because I'm paying for student loans. Because your student loan debt will be a payment once a month that could be more than what you're getting paid in your job. And those student loans are typically for me, I I did not qualify for FAFSA loans. Right. So it was a private loan through a bank. Right. At a really high interest rate. Right. You, you want know, to avoid if you can. Yeah. So um, now the thing is, don't avoid loans just because you're going to college because college can make your life easier, but just think about the consequences of debt because that should be a part of your consideration when you're picking a school. If you can go to Sinclair and, not, and, and literally get a summer job to pay the full year and not worry about working while you're in school, consider the consequences of that versus going to Wright State where you, don't, you can't do that in a summer job. Um, other, things, other things to consider while you're picking a school is what's the postgraduate success like? Remember, college is a journey, and ultimately the destination is likely going to be the workforce for you, right? That's why we go to college. So think about how the institution can help set you up for success after you graduate. Look for universities with strong work-study programs, internships, co-ops, job placement assistant, and maybe even a strong alumni network. Those are going to be the people that help you with postgraduate success. You don't just want to think about your years while you're there. The last couple things I would say in picking a school is understand how your major is going to influence your career. You know, there's so many kids that think, well, I got to go to school for well, this is what I'm going to study. And I would say very rarely do you use your major in what job you have. In education, yes. 
In nursing, yes. But there are so many people that get a computer science degree and that's not training you for a job at Google. Computer science is very generic and you can do lots of different things. So understand how your particular major can influence what career that you pick. And just remember, no matter what school you pick, no decision is ever final. Let's say you go down to Moorhead and you think, God, this experience changed my life. What a great fit. And you go to Moorhead and you're there for a semester and go, you know what? It's not what I thought. It's not final. You can change. You're not making a life or death altering decision by saying, I'm going to transfer. You have to change majors too. I mean, the, the statistic of a couple years ago I read was the average person changes majors in their undergrad more than three times. Oh my gosh. I, more than three times. How about you? Did you change? I did not. I did not change either. I, I knew I knew early. Yes, but I, I doing. my daughter's been in school. My daughter is a sophomore this year, and during her freshman year, she started with the major and changed it by semester and literally went back and forth with a couple others. She stuck with the second one. But, but you're still figuring out who you are. Yeah, you? What, you're not locked into anything. Anything. And people think of it almost, and I don't want to diss the military because the military is a great option, but people think of it as a commitment like the military that you can't change. And you can change. It's like a, a work in progress while you're there for four years. All right, now I'm gonna tie up question one, where or how do I start, with I thought it was important to throw out what are colleges looking for? Because believe it or not, you're looking for a good fit. Colleges too, when they're going through their admissions, they're looking for people that will be a good fit for them. So how do they, what are they looking for? They're looking for students that show evidence that they're prepared for the rigor of that university. You know, Wright State thinks that their engineering classes are way more rigorous than let's say UC. So they are asking when they're evaluating college applications, is this student prepared for the rigor here at our university? They're not looking for students that are just smart, but students that are willing to lead. Colleges also want to see students who can offer strength and diversity, uh, not just diversity of people, but bringing diversity of different ideas, students that are willing to collaborate when solving problems. Those are all types of students that they're looking at. So how do they know that by looking at your application? That's your job as a student when you're applying to university. You have to prepare the, your application in a way that they can see the answers to those questions. They're going to look, what classes did this student take? Um, did they choose easy classes? Did they, did they hit the minimum requirements to be at our university? Um, how well did they do in those classes your, or your GPA and class rank? Not only did they take the right classes, but they did, do, did they do well in them? Uh, you know, students will often tell me when they're picking out their class schedule, listen, I've been here for three years. My senior year, I just want easy classes. And I'll just say, like, that's fine because you can do whatever you want. But the reality is taking easy classes your senior year is not going to help you when you're sitting in a math class during your freshman year of college. Colleges are also going to look at standardized test scores, your ACT or SAT. Um, they're going to look at, do you have the ability or desire to contribute, to create something on their campus or contribute to their campuses? Um, experiences that show leadership or engagement here at high, in the high school. Um, outstanding talent in a particular area. Um, your, if your high school performance um, is adversely affected by anything, they're looking at those things. Let's say you had a physical or a mental situation uh, that, that impacted your education while you're in high school. If you can explain that in the college essay, you're offering so much more to that university by being able to navigate through a situation and, and, and come out on the winning end of that. Um, 
also, are you eligible for certain things on their campus? Because that will help contribute to that diversity. So those are the things that colleges are looking for. And if you look at a college application, and if you're a freshman, sophomore, or junior, you can still do that. Just because you can't apply to colleges doesn't mean you can't open up a college application and look at one. Heather, is it fair to say that a college is looking for a student that has been heavily involved in high school stuff, band, choir, musicals, academic teams, sports teams. I mean, how much weight does that bear on an application compared to somebody who does nothing? 100%. It tells a university that not only can this student handle the courses that they took in high school, but they can do it while they're bearing the responsibility of being a leader in that school. And here's the thing. We want kids that can handle our classes, but we want kids that are going to make a difference on our campus. And if this kid did all of these things in high school, then they're probably interested in making a difference on our campus in some capacity. And we want that more than the kid that's not going to contribute in any way. So 100%, they definitely look for those things. So get involved. Get involved. Do not be a couch potato. And I think that sums up my version of question number one. Heather, if we have 10 questions and they're all that long. They're not. <laughs> this is going to be a four hour podcast. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> okay. All right. Question two. I know what I want to major in. Mm-hmm. I know that I want to do, be a teacher, mm-hmm. be an engineer. Mm-hmm. How do I find colleges that have that major? Right. Um, I often tell students that majors shouldn't always drive college decisions. We just talked about that. Why? Because most colleges will have all the same majors. And you're going to change it. (laughs) And you're probably going to change your mind. But most colleges offer a lot of the same stuff. I think also, I love what I do and I'm fortunate enough to have a great life in education. But if I knew what I knew now, I probably wouldn't be in in education. But you asked me earlier, did I change my major? And I didn't because I walked in with what I call tunnel vision. And oftentimes when kids decide what they want to do when they're in high school, they have this tunnel vision where they refuse to see any other possibility. You don't want to walk into college with this tunnel vision of, oh, I'm going to be a teacher and I'm not going to see any other opportunities. And I think sometimes that's a problem with picking Uh, your major right away. Also, you have to keep in mind, the reason I say don't let majors drive your college decision, college isn't job training. College is not training you for a specific job. What they're doing is offering you higher education so that you can take that degree and do lots of different things with it. And we already talked about students change their mind often. But don't be delusional and think that you want to study medicine if you don't like science or that you want to go into architecture if you're terrible in math. I always tell students that anything is possible, but gotta be realistic about what you can and can't do. And the last thing I would say based on what you just asked me about majors, if you're just sitting at home, again, we live in the digital age. If you look up a university, every university's website has a list of all their possible majors right on, sometimes they're tricky to find, and sometimes a college won't, or a university won't necessarily call the same major the same at many other colleges. So if you just surf and you look through each website, you'll be able to find what they offer in certain areas. I and, know, for me, I, like, I would find the website, I'd find the major, and I would, I would browse that course catalog. 100%. So I know that over these four years, I have to take these required classes. Yes. And that helped me know, kind of going into it. A timeline. What to expect. Yes. And I knew that, hey, as, as a sophomore, I'm taking this type of class. Yes. But yeah, so that course catalog, browse it. Definitely. Definitely look into it because you also, if you don't have that tunnel vision, you might see something else that you never knew existed. 
You know, like we're really good in, in, in education with they get to job show to a teacher every day of their life for 12 years, right? But they don't get to see any other profession on a daily basis. So there's so many things out there that exist that we don't even know about. So definitely browse, browse, browse. It's on every website. All right. Uh, our next question uh, says, I have seen many schools that are test optional. Heather, what does a test optional school mean? Okay, that's such a great question. Let me quickly give you the history. Colleges were not test optional two years ago. What happened is COVID hit, and when COVID hit, it shut down a lot of ACT sites, uh, places where people could take the ACT. So last year's graduating class, um, they, when they were in the college admissions process, colleges were like, I'm not sure these students had as many opportunities to take the ACT as students have in the past. So they moved last year was the first year to what's called test optional. And as of today, many colleges are still what they call test optional, which does not mean test blind. It means send your scores into us, your ACT or your SAT scores, send them to us if it can help you with your college application. If it's something that's not going to help you with your college application, then of course we won't use it to evaluate you and decide whether we're going to accept you for admissions. Students are encouraged to include those scores only if they believe they represent their academic abilities. Um, a student's application will receive full consideration if test scores are not included. That's if the school is test optional. Now, just because it's test optional doesn't mean it's going to be test optional in giving scholarships. Many schools are saying we might be test optional for admissions, but if you're wanting to get any money from us, we're going to have to see a test score. I would also say that um, you don't want to be in a school. You don't want to not send your scores because you know you're low and be in a school where everyone else has high scores. For example, Ohio State's middle 50% of their class this year, the middle 50% of admitted class students scored between a 27 and a 32 on the ACT. So if you're scoring a 19, you don't want to include that in Ohio State's application if they're test optional, but it should be a guide for you to understand that you're probably going to be wildly different at that campus if you're not where the middle 50% is. And there's so many things on that application that colleges can look at to determine, well, if you're in the middle, if you're not in our middle 50% testing because you you didn't send your test scores, where are you grade-wise? Because that tells us a lot too. But you don't, as a student, want to be surrounded by people that you're wildly out of place with. So all of that information about where schools, middle 50%, that's on their website. So again, I'm going to say, when you do your research, look at where you stand compared to other students at that university because they publish that stuff. I can't believe the average score is that high. At Ohio State. That's crazy. Yeah. Hey, uh, I think it's crazy. If you were if you were to play fortune teller, yeah. is that test optional around forever or just for a year or two? Well, I think one of the things that's a great question. I think one of the things that that colleges said was their applications actually increased. Many of the selective schools, their applications actually really increased and they the support staff that they had looking at those applications was really hard to sustain. But they were able to determine lots of things without test scores. So I think they're learning that the application process is holistic enough that their test scores really don't give them anything except for the idea that the ACT also is it's not going away. And the state has come up with 
what they think are measurements of college readiness. And if you're not college ready, the reality is you're going to struggle in some of those classes. So I think the, the ACT is a good measurement of where you should be, but I don't think it's necessarily a predictor of how well you'll do. So as of right now, I think that the test optional is going to stay for a while. I don't, I think we're going to see it become more and more important with scholarships though. Cool. Next question. Uh, what is ROTC or ROTC? mean on a college campus? Okay, so ROTC stands for Reserve Officers Training Corps. Um, if you're a student that's torn between joining the military and going to college, an option is ROTC. Students train as they learn, taking military science courses, ROTC courses, alongside a regular college load. Um, the requirement is that you have to enlist as an officer in the U.S. military upon graduation. So ROTC is a great option. Here's the thing, that there's a ROTC scholarship that covers tuition, fees, books, often room and board. But the problem is the ROTC scholarship is not automatic just because you want it or you're going, you want to join the ROTC program. Like other scholarships, students have to compete for it. But if you're on a ROTC scholarship, that means you have a signed contract saying that upon graduation, you will commission into the U.S. military, either active duty, National Guard, or reserve. Next question. What are your thoughts on a gap year? I'll answer that for you. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. That's a hard one, but a great <laughs> question. And I kind of agree with you, John, but I'm going to tell why. Here's the thing, the idea of a gap year is a year of experiential learning. Typically, you do it after you graduate from high school and before you go into college. Gap years are intended to give you a break from ac academics while allowing you to discover who you are and consider what kind of education and career you wanna pursue. Here's the reality though, who has the luxury of discovering who they are? How does that, what does that mean for you? How are you gonna discover yourself? If you're working full time, Sure, it, that, that you could discover who you are by working full-time, but it's going to be really hard to quit that job making that kind of money to then pay a university to go to school. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, that's a total lifestyle change. Yes. If you get a full-time job, like, hey, man, I can get this car. I've been buying these clothes. I have my own apartment now. And you want to give all that up because now you're going to pay a university to, like, yeah. no way. I, in that in that regard, I think it's really rough. But if you have the luxury of saying I'm going to travel uh, across Europe and back and and kind of zone in on who I am, I just don't know many people that come from that kind of luxury. So from my personal situation with my own children, gap year is not ideal situation. Yeah, and for me, I would not have went back. All right, moving on. Uh, typically, how many college visits? do students get and when can they start taking visits? Okay, so you can go on a college visit anytime you want. I'm kind of crazy in my with my kids and I know that, but my son is a sophomore and he's been on multiple college visits with their, his older siblings. Um, you can start as early as you want, um, but here in the high school, you get three free days where you don't have to be in attendance. You're not counted absent when you're a senior. Um, you can go and you can do as many colleges as you want prior to that, but you get three free days where you're marked present by being out of school as long as you're on a college visit. I would like to say that if you're using college visits during your senior year, those should be for um, schools that you want to go back and visit, that you've already visited before and now you're narrowing it down or you got an offer and now you're like, I really want to check this out from a different perspective. 
Um, if you're going to the college for the first time during your senior year, listen, it still works. It's not a big deal. It's not a problem. You're probably just a little bit behind the game at that point. So any freshman, sophomore, junior, if you're listening right now, go on visits right now. Use, utilize spring break. Utilize the summer. Take a Saturday and go on visit a college because you have nothing to lose. Next question. Should students reach out to schools that they are interested in? And kind of a follow-up on that, if they are athletes, trying for a sports scholarship? Should they reach out? Um, yes, yes, and yes. Um, it, you always can reach out. Now, I will tell you scholarships, keep in mind, whether that's academic, music, athletic, artistic, scholarships are designed for the most scholarly kids in a particular area. My experience with athletes, I, I have a daughter who's a Division One athlete. Um, my experience with athletes is that you have better chances of getting recruited if you play with a club or an organization. And the reason that is is because the coaches that run those clubs and organizations have already sent players on to the next level, and therefore they have connections with certain programs and certain coaches at, that le at the next level. If you do not play um, at, for a club or uh, organization that is – doing those things, what I would encourage you to do is look up an athletic directory at any school that's on their website. You literally can say Wright State Athletic Directory in Google, and you can find who coaches something and through an email and reach out to them there. I would say be careful with that stuff. Not be careful, but just know that... We it, don't have a lot of scholarship athletes. Yeah, a lot of kids from Carlisle don't go... On a, especially, especially for a full scholarship, right? Like, right. Um, so just, just, just don't bank on that being your only way to college, right? And I'll say, there's a difference. You can be a college athlete um, for a Division three program. Division three programs aren't allowed to give athletic scholarships because they're not they're not um, uh, overseen by the NCAA in the same way. But they give a lot of scholarships that they quote unquote call non athletic. So you can go and play and be an athlete at a Division three level. And first of all, it's going to be equally as competitive, but it requires as much work as being an athlete for the Division one or two. Probably not as competitive, but definitely requires much work. But they can make the price of their universities much cheaper by, quote unquote, giving you non-athletic scholarships, even though they only give them to athletes. That means have good grades. Yes. Next question, Heather, all juniors uh, per the state are required to take the ACT now. Yes. Uh, Not a fan of that, by the way, but go ahead. Are there any classes offered to help kids prep for that? We do have a class uh, that Mr. Brown teaches all sophomores called CCR. That stands for College and Career Readiness. And I'll be honest, because the ACT has become test optional, you, you have to take the ACT, but because many schools are using it as test optional, the focus of the CCR has moved this year to being less about the ACT. Um, they still will do a, a, a test prep. They will do a practice version, and they will go through each section and, and try to get better scores on that. So they do practice things, but it also covers a wide variety of things from different college options to after high school options that don't revolve around college. So yes, here at Carlisle, we make every sophomore go through a half a credit of CCR with Mr. Brown. It just clicked for me. The state requires an ACT test, and colleges don't anymore. <laughs> and not only that, the reason I don't like it, the state requires an ACT test, and not everyone's going to college. Yeah. So, like, that's really unfair for a student that knows they're... And knows, knows they're going to the workforce. Yes, and, and, and we're going to make you take a college readiness test. So, um, I have some issues with that, but 
it's good to have everybody prep for it in the event they don't know what's going to happen. Your issues are going to be at, will, will be a different podcast at a, That's la- true. At a, at a later date. That's true. <laughs> Heather, are there scholarships that sophomores are able to apply for? And if so, where do you find those at? Listen, anybody that wants to up front money for a scholarship can do that. And you, there was a day and age when anybody that created a scholarship would try to get those out to high schools. They don't do that anymore. They don't give them to me. They don't ask me to publish them or, or put them out. And the reason is, is because families have as much access to them online as I do and, and, and places sending them to me. But to my knowledge, there's only ever been one scholarship that I've been familiar with, and I think it was through the Discovery Credit Card, Discover Credit Card, that allowed people under senior year to apply for a scholarship. Um, that doesn't mean that to say that sophomores, there's not something out there for them. You certainly can do a Google search, a scholarship search. Just inside Google, I would just say, um, scholarship search for, uh, for students that are ninth and 10th graders and just see what shoots back to you. Um, but Google and the internet are your friends when it comes to this. So don't be afraid to do the work and see what's out there. All right, here's our last question. Is CTC a good route for students if they offer their career choice? That's a really, that's a big question packed into a few words. Yes, CTC is an awesome option for students, for any student, period. Now, CTC is different than the days when we were in student, well, when we were in school, John. I had you in class, so I can't say when we were in school. But CTC is different than what a lot of parents kind of think. It's almost like a college campus itself right now. Um, you can get a lot of college uh, classes while you're there, but it's a great option for someone that already knows their career option. Just because you go to CTC doesn't mean you can't go to college afterwards. So I would have every sophomore genuinely search within themselves is as to whether they want a more vocational route their last two years of high school or whether they want a more a less vocational route. Neither is more college readiness and neither is more college prep, but I think one is definitely geared more towards vocational route. And it's a great option for our kids. So do you feel like if, if, I, if I'm a sophomore and I know that I'm going to a four-year college, yes, I know I graduate, I'm going to college, Okay, am I better off to stay at Carlisle High School or to go to CTC? Does one place prepare you better or worse for a four-year college? I I honestly don't think so because you could say, um, I'm going to go for cosmetology and the whole time I'm in college, I'm going to make a little, I'm going to have a side hustle doing hair, um, even if it's not what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So I think there's lots of ways to look at it. And coursework wise, that what you just have to keep in mind is you're going for vocational your last two years of high school. Do you want to go for a vocational route or do you want to look at more opportunities that are more in the arts um, or more uh, other directions? Like you can't necessarily take acapella choir at CTC, but you can't take robotics here. So, you know, yep. so I don't think one is better. I just think you have to look at it. Do you want more vocational training your last two years or no? Because, you know, higher education is where you're going to end up. Makes sense. All right, that wraps up the college edition. If you sent in a question, thank you. Thank you, yes. Heather, drink some water. There there, (laughs) there were a lot of words in there. There were, and that just means we know you're listening if you sent in questions, so thank you for that. What I'd also like to say is, I I said this at the beginning, I can literally talk, I've taken my sweater off here, uh, well, I mean, my cardigan. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, I could talk forever about college because there's so many different directions you can go and I start sweating. So, um, if, if we didn't address a concern or a question that you have, know that this could go on forever. But next Thursday, that would be, is that the 28th? I believe that's yes. the 28th of October. Next Thursday, we have parent-teacher conferences, and we're here until 7.30. So what I'm going to do next Thursday to tie up our month of college, PBS, PBIS, is um, have a Q&A next Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m., here at the high school. So if you're sitting here listening and you're like, now she just made me think of five other questions, there's gonna be nothing formal. I'm not putting together any formal presentation. I'm just gonna be available in a classroom from six to seven next Thursday to just talk college. So if you're out there and you have more questions or you just don't even know how to ask a question, come and see me next Thursday between six and seven. Me and Miss French are gonna pretty much organize a bunch of questions and, and we're gonna be people that you can answer, or will be available to answer your questions. Cool, uh, thank you for listening. I thank hope you, you enjoyed this episode. I hope we didn't bore you. Yep, uh, take care, we'll see you guys soon. Exchange no time to exchange you and all the little